Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk, and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hey there. Thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation and find value from the wisdom shared today, the absolute best way that you can always support is by sharing it. And of course, popping over to iTunes and leaving a review. Leaving a review ensures that the algorithm pushes the podcast forward so other people around the world get notified and get access to this content as well. So thank you so much in advance. Also make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your health and your life. All right, so I recently discovered that the word doctor comes from the Latin word for teacher. And for my guest today, the idea of teaching her patients and her clients feels particularly meaningful. Further, she understands and offers this powerful roadmap to her patients, guiding them towards true well-being through a holistic, personalized approach instead of a band-aid, one-size-fits-all prescriptive approach. And so my guest, Dr. Jasmine Talley, is a California naturopathic doctor who focuses on specifically this, along with the skin-gut connection, autoimmune conditions, and mold-related illnesses. And as a naturopathic doctor, Dr. Jasmine's primary focus is really about empowering her clients to take a more integrative approach, specifically through teaching and educating them on how to cultivate healing from the inside out. And so after completing her undergraduate degree in political science and film studies at UCLA, Dr. Jasmine received her doctorate in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr University, California. And she went on to further her training in homeopathy, IV nutrient therapy, and cranial sacral therapy. And so in today's episode, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about gut health, healing protocols to get to the root cause, the importance of hormone health, healing breast implant illness, and so much more. Hi, Dr. Jasmine. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here today, and I am really grateful that our paths crossed a few months ago. It's been really inspiring to be working together to support those with breast implant illness through Dr. Brenner's office. And a little bit of background for the listeners, we are both part of a holistic breast team that support women pre and post excellent surgery heal from breast implant illness. So we'll dive a little bit deeper into breast implant illness in a minute, but I wanted to start with a bit about your background and what drew you towards naturopathic medicine and further to study homeopathy, IV nutrient therapy, and craniosacral therapy. Yeah, for sure. So a little bit about 
what I do as a naturopathic doctor, I basically find the root cause of illness. So whatever patient may be presenting with, whether that's fatigue or headaches, or just like recurrent infections, I try to find out why they're having those symptoms to begin with. So oftentimes, I will run comprehensive tests, look at the gut, look at hormones, really look at the patient from a holistic perspective, and then treat using the least invasive modalities. So I start off with diet and lifestyle changes and use herbal medicine, homeopathy, nutrient therapy, um, bioidentical hormones, peptides, all that good stuff. So I got into this and you mentioned like homeopathy and craniosacral therapy and IV nutrient therapy, because I always knew that I had a passion to help people. I didn't really know how I wanted to go about doing that and kind of life threw me in this path. I don't, I think it was just something that was meant to be and life circumstances just showed me the way. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I'm so inspired by your story specifically because you seem to be one of those people we were talking right before this call about how you're constantly trying to find the simplest, easiest, most efficient way to heal. And when we were originally talking, you were, I was like, oh, do you do this and this and this? And you're like, well, I take a more conservative approach. <laughs> and I so respected that about you. And I just have loved learning more about how you're supporting people with breast implant illness. So maybe we start there and talk a little bit about the correlation that you ha- that you saw between those who had breast implant illness and mold toxicity, and specifically these myotoxins that are impacting someone's health and what helped you move more into specializing in mold toxicity and helping people move through that and even recognizing that they had that because I know that that is often very overlooked. Right, for sure. So um, I started seeing patients who struggle with breast implant illness. Um, It's kind of I don't know, like all of a sudden why the universe just brought me these patients, but it kind of just happened that way. And I started seeing more and more women who have explanted and are still having certain symptoms, which, which were very unexplainable. Like they would go to every single specialist that you can think of. And by every single specialist, I really mean every single specialist. So like cardiologist, endocrinologist, hematologist every like gastroenterologist, they've been to all these specialists and they do all these different lab work and everything comes back within normal limits, but they still have all these symptoms, whether it's fatigue, hair loss, heart palpitations, um, just something is not right with them. They present oftentimes kind of um, similar to how one would explain someone who struggles with autoimmune conditions, but there was no, there's no lab work that will show that this person has this diagnosis or there's something going on, on a medical level. So they oftentimes are told that it's all in their head and it's just, oh, you have anxiety or you're just, you've gone crazy, like go on this medication, Mm. like there's nothing wrong with you. But as women, we have our intuition, and we know when something is not right, as most people do. Mm -hmm. But um, so from there, um, I would see these patients come in the office, and they would just be like, 
no one believes me. Like there's nothing. Every doctor I've gone to has told me there's nothing wrong with me. And my family is exhausted by me because I just can't really do normal activities. Um, But I know there's something wrong with me because these symptoms started at this certain time and they can pinpoint it. Like it started whenever, um, like, let's say I put in or just like when I took them out or like something was going on or when I moved homes. And that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Like moving, moving from one home to another is very big. So I started doing mycotoxin testing. So mycotoxins are metabolites of mold. So mold like black mold that you see in old buildings and damp places and things like that. And I realized that these people who say that they have these symptoms oftentimes also have very elevated levels of mycotoxins. So like the average person that I would test would have like maybe some, like a little bit of an elevation of mycotoxins on the test. But these patients with BII would come in and they would do the urine test. So it's based on your body's ability to excrete mycotoxins and their levels would be pretty much off the charts. And this, I kept seeing this over and over and over again to the point that I'm, I realized I need to learn more, more about mold related illness and how to treat this because it seems that there's some kind of correlation. And while I haven't really found studies on it to, or any really like evidence behind this correlation, it's just something that I've seen in practice. So I kind of just went that route. And it's been quite a journey to see the correlation between the two and how when you fix one thing, like you fix the mold and you realize, like you recognize what the problem is, you're able to improve people's symptoms. Yeah. It's so interesting. When we met, I was sharing with you how my husband and I actually had to move out of our last home in West Hollywood because of black mold. And at the time I was suffering from breast implant illness. So I didn't make the correlation that there was mold in our home. But as my husband's daily headaches got worse and worse, we luckily were working with a functional medicine doctor at the time and discovered through proper testing that we were being exposed to mold and it was extremely high in our bodies. And it was an entire process of having to have someone come in. And then we had to tear about the showers and the walls. And what we found out was this home that was we purchased on paper as new, they actually had used a lot of the old foundation, which was in the walls and in the showers and basically had lied. And therefore we were being exposed to this black mold on a daily basis. And so Yeah. So from that conversation, you shared that you were seeing more and more people with mold toxicity. And so I'm curious how common this is. And do you feel like more and more people are being diagnosed with this because of the awareness around this topic or more doctors are testing for it, or it's becoming just more of a prevalent problem? Um, It's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I am that last line doctor, so I'm not sure what's going, like if other doctors are testing for this as well. Um, I think maybe like in the functional medicine world, they do test for it's like naturopathic doctors also test for this. But usually when they come to me, they haven't tested for this. And Mm -hmm. all the tests that they've done have come back negative. And it's interesting talking to other doctors and surgeons and all these people that are well-respected and are really, they do these breast implants and explants 
I've noticed that one thing that everyone can agree on, whether they say, oh, BII exists or does not exist, is the fact that biofilms can accumulate. Mm -hmm. So biofilms, meaning bacteria, fungus, so mold is a fungus. So these things can accumulate. So I think there's a lot to look into whenever people are saying, yes, there are biofilms that accumulate. So maybe these mycotoxins, these mold, these mold metabolites are accumulating in the implant, or maybe they're altering the way that we detox. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that is. Um, I'm not, but I'm not sure if people are seeing this more and more, or if it's kind of just I've been seeing this more and more just because of the patient population that I've mm-hmm. been seeing. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to determine that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just know your practice has been skyrocketing. <laughs> it's like around the clock seeing this, you know, and I think there is a level of awareness that's happening where more and more people are demanding these tests or at least knowing to go to someone who will offer it to them. And so can we dive a little bit into the side effects of mold toxicity so people could maybe recognize that some of the symptoms they're experiencing could be coming from mold toxicity. And then, and I would assume a lot of times, like you said before, they're kind of coming to you at the end saying, okay, well, everything's coming back negative. um, And my doctors aren't able to find where the origin of these symptoms are coming from. Right. So some of the symptoms include so fatigue is a huge one some people can't even get out of bed they don't have the energy to do anything at all other symptoms they change your basically mold acts as an endocrine disruptor so they change your hormones so a huge one that i see is thyroid dysfunction so whether the patient becomes hypo or hyperthyroid so their thyroid changes and in turn other systems in their body will also change Hormones shift just in general, like sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, those might change. Skin issues are huge. So whether you get heat rashes from being out in the sun, or you have this chronic acne, cystic acne that makes no sense, or um, hair loss can be another one. It's basically all these random symptoms that have no explanation that you can really pinpoint. That's kind of when I think, oh, like, let's test for this um, and see what's going on. And then it's interesting because when you start treating for mold-related illness, like the first thing you do is, or I do, is recommend that patient avoid um, foods that can mimic mold or basically feed fungus. So very similar to an anti-candida diet that most people, that many people might be familiar with. And also making sure that your home doesn't have any mold. And when people do this, the very step, first step of avoidance, a lot of times they feel huge difference just within that, like as soon as they start this. I always think that that's the hardest step, avoidance, because you have to find out what's going on in your home. Mm-hmm. And your home is your home. It's a place of comfort. It's what you're used to. So I think that's actually the hardest step and also changing your diet. But those two steps 
makes such a huge difference. And when they make a huge difference, it also kind of, it also reaffirms that this whole belief or this whole um, idea that there is some kind of mold going on in your body that you are reacting to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think the avoidance piece of the home is is so accurate. I know for, for myself, when my husband, I remember being on the text with my husband and I could feel the energy through the phone because as they're pulling up our shower, there was like marble on the shower and you could, as they were pulling it up and you could just see these videos and just black mold. I knew, you know, his reservation of moving out and having to like, you know, do this whole process. And we had to do reconstruction on the whole place. And it's heartbreaking, right? Because your, your home is that place of comfort. It is the place that you're raising your family in and, and it can be very, very overwhelming. And so how do you help clients move through that? Because I can imagine that that's probably a sticking point where it just takes quite a bit of time to get someone in there to often to, to really recognize where it's coming from. And then what do you suggest if, if it is in their home? Right. So this part is actually really difficult. So the beginning process with patients where they, uh, it's kind of an acceptance of this is mold that I'm dealing with. That is always the hardest thing. I find a lot of resistance oftentimes from patients, which I completely understand, but it's a lot to wrap your head around. Mm -hmm. So, so I'll like give them results, but then I'll still get messages about, well, like what, what can it be from something else? Can it be from something else or like this or that? And oftentimes those things have been tested. So it's definitely not an easy diagnosis to get. And then But I think what helps is to really have an open dialogue about what's going on, really paying attention or really spending time with the patients and having them ask questions and address those concerns for them and listening to them because it's so important as a doctor, as a healer to really just create that space for patients to feel comfortable to ask those questions because they oftentimes people who have had mold related illness, they've been kind of, they've just been kind of neglected by many health professionals. Like they've just been like, Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Like go away. So Mm -hmm. really listening to what these patients have to say. And I think that goes a long way with getting them to take those initial steps to create this change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's probably a lot of emotional work as well in terms of dealing, I know, even with the anger of, for us, it was buying a new home and, you know, having that experience of being so excited to move into a place and then learning about what was present there. It took that emotional side of it and the mental side to go within and do that inner healing and have compassion and love for you know, the contractors and the builders of the home. And so I think there's a lot of that that can come up and and stir up as well and recognizing how that impacts our immune system. And I understand for so many people, it's, it's so, you know, it's hard to just pick up your life and move to a new place. And so I love how you shared how it's so important for you to hold that space with your patients and ask and allow them to ask the questions that are necessary. In most cases, do people need to completely move out or can they do room by room or how do you help people kind of move through this if it is in their home? So it depends. I usually leave it up to an inspector 
I tell them whatever the inspector says, because I think that's their area of specialty. So a lot of times the inspector will say, okay, you just need to clean up this one room. Like let's say your bathroom, you just have to have someone come and clean it up. You don't necessarily even have to demolish a wall because it's not that bad. You're like, maybe this person's mold toxicity is from an old home and it's being re-triggered in this new home. And in this new home, it's not that bad yet. So if you can just pinpoint where it is and kind of just clean it up, that's enough. But then for other people, they're like the wall needs to be torn down. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. completely needs to be demolished and completely built over again. In that case, I say that needs to be done and don't go near that area. Like if you have depend if you have another place that you can stay at or or you, you can like sleep somewhere far away from that area do that stay away while they're demolishing it Mm. Um, so it really just depends on how bad that mold is in the home I think a lot of people oftentimes do get nervous because they're like oh well what if I've got to tear down my entire home and that's not always the case Mm -hmm. yes it is possible but not always like sometimes it is a very easy fix you just have to make sure that your home is getting the proper care and attention. And yeah, I think it's just, it's important to figure these things out. Yeah. And I was also shocked to learn how many different types of mold there are. And then in terms of, you know, you could be getting exposed from home food. Are there other places that you could be getting exposed from and are small amounts of mold? Okay. Like does your body, I'm assuming your body detoxes um, mm-hmm. based on if, you know, you know, specific mm-hmm. genetic mutations and so forth, but I would assume your body can take a certain amount pretty naturally. Right. So, yeah. So, um, so the first part of your question about, um, different places that you mm-hmm. can get that you might be exposed to mold. So in my consult, I always ask, okay, so is there a past home or a present home that you may have been exposed to mold in your, um, maybe school or Mm -hmm. place of work Mm -hmm. an old car as well old cars can get moldy if you're traveling all the time certain hotels you know if you're staying at certain hotels maybe those have mold exposure so there's just it's important to determine where you are being exposed and then when it comes to the amount of mold so that's actually a really great question so this depends entirely on the person so some people don't are able to be exposed to small amounts of mold and nothing will happen to them. Their detox pathways are fine. They're able to just go on their body cleans it up. Some people, other people who are really struggling have this, um, what I, what I call mold related illness is basically they can't even be exposed to a little amount of mold, at least not until they're at that stage where they've cleaned up their body properly. They have killed that mold in their body and they've detoxed it. Anything, even a small amount of mold will trigger that. So let's say you have a room in your house that is very moldy. It's damp. You can see the black mold and all your clothes is in there. Mm. If you wear that clothes that's in that area, that can trigger you. And that doesn't mean you necessarily have to throw out your clothes either. You know, Um, it's just basically like 
find out like, okay, if that's the case, then maybe you just put out your clothes in the heat. Um, you mm. can put like certain essential oils, antifungal essential oils and put it out in the sun. Sometimes that does the trick. Other times, if it did get a lot of dust and mycotoxins on it, then you would want to consider throwing out certain clothes. But yeah, so even exposure to small amounts can really trigger those symptoms for people and can can really like make it much worse. So those people that are going through the healing process have to be extremely careful to not be re-exposed within that time. And it's it's not forever. That's what I like to remind patients. So like the diet is not forever. The lifestyle is not forever. Once you beat it, you beat it, but then you just always have to be mindful. Like, okay, like maybe I am going out of town and I might, or I might be visiting a friend and they live somewhere damp. They might, I might be exposed to mold. Mm. Okay. But like you can take certain things with you to help basically minimize that effect So like whether there are certain antifungals that you need to take with you or certain liver support to help with detoxification, just being aware of what that is, um, what it's just planning ahead of time, pretty much Mm -hmm. just being prepared your body that really goes a long way in helping your body heal and not react every single time. Yeah, it's, it's important. And since I learned that I have the MTHFR gene, which is a huge reason why when when we start to see the correlation between that and breast implant illness, I also realized that that was one of the reasons my body wasn't detoxing, detoxing mold. And I'm now so much more careful every single time I travel. I'm more careful every single time I go to dinner, every single time I, you know, make a choice to even go to my parents' house. I bring a water filter with me. And yes, you have to do a lot more in terms of prep, but I think it's important once you have that education because then it's empowering and empowers you to think ahead and say, okay, well, I truly desire to continue to feel this way and stay this way. And yeah, so, you know, there's a little bit more effort required, but I think that it is so valuable to get this, this baseline. um, Right. It is so, so valuable to know what's like, what it is that you're dealing with and what, um, in this case, like what kind of, what your genetics look like, if you have that MTHFR mutation or something like that, knowledge is definitely power, especially when it comes to your own health and really understanding what works for you and what doesn't work for you is so important. And something that I, I wish would be taught to us at an early age that like you can make certain changes to not have certain symptoms later on. Like Mm -hmm. if you feel tired or you have menstrual irregularities or like as females, like we go through so much during the, when we get our period a lot of times, and these symptoms can be minimized if we understand what is causing that. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's very empowering to understand that. Yeah. In our last conversation, we were talking about some of the positives from this pandemic and you were sharing that you're seeing many more younger individuals interested in health and healing and even focused on prevention. And so it was an interesting thing for me to hear and actually really inspiring because as you shared, the 
in the past, we've we've seen the sort of, okay, well, if you have skin issues or acne or hair loss or bloating from menstrual cramps or even constipation, it was a super hyper-focused approach of putting a Band-Aid on it in order to solve the problem immediately or from a goic place, how do I solve it so I look better? But now we're seeing that by looking at these underlying causes that need the attention and need the inner healing you know, younger and younger people are saying, okay, well, I want sustainable health and long-term health versus kind of these quick fixes. And so it's ironic too. And you said this to me, which I think is amazing is that it's so important as parents to empower the younger generation to think about things this way, especially because you're more resilient when you're young. Right. That's so true. Like you can really bounce back from so much if you learn what is going on. So our issue is in our society, in our fast-paced society, we oftentimes make the same mistakes over and over again. Like mm. we just we think that we have to go 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 go, we keep getting sick, we keep getting those symptoms and we keep continuing that way. But in reality, if we understand what is causing those symptoms to occur in the first place, And we change that, whether that's through a change in our lifestyle or our diet, something as simple as that, we, especially the younger generation, is able to bounce back so, so quickly. And it's true. So many, I've, during this whole pandemic, I've seen a lot more of this younger generation come into my office, both male and females, who just want to feel better they're realizing that what they've kind of what they've normalized and what society has normalized like their feelings of fatigue this isn't normal there is a better like you can feel better or um a lot of girls like early 20s having menstrual irregularities irregularities and by that i mean like maybe they're getting their period every two weeks or they're not get they're skipping a few months without getting their period or they have terrible cramping or they're extremely moody before their period a lot of times or in at least in my generation and i feel like throughout um, other generations as well it's kind of been like oh that's fine like this is how it is just take this advil take this mitol just take this medication go on with your day and don't like pretend it's like nothing, but people are realizing that there is something, there's a reason why I'm feeling this way to begin with. Mm -hmm. And let me figure out what that is. And this has been a huge thing that I've been seeing. And it makes me so happy because when patients come in and they want to understand what the root cause is for their menstrual cramps, for their moodiness, they are asking to be educated. And whenever they're becoming educated, they're becoming empowered. And by learning about themselves, they can pass on this information to other people. And it's kind of like this domino effect where more and more people get to learn how to maintain health by understanding what's causing it, by making better lifestyle choices, um, not only now, but in the future. And making those lifestyle choices leads to long lasting health. This is like where we need to be as a society. And we keep seeing this over and over again, that um, 
basically, we just need to understand how to be healthy. And not everyone, we don't really know as a society what that means, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is, it's interesting. Like people will be like, yeah, I'm healthy, but I have like, yeah, I don't sleep at night. Like I'm up till 3 a.m., but I'm healthy. And then I'm like, well, do you wake up feeling refreshed? And they're like, no, is that a thing? Like, does anyone wake up feeling refreshed? Or I have like 10 diet sodas a week or something like that. And they, it's just, we don't know as a society what it means to be healthy. We just know how to kind of just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we're normalizing basically that we're normalizing the exhaustion. We're normalizing the fatigue. We're norm- normalizing the headaches. We're normalizing the, the keeping up with the addiction of work and, and it's it's so interesting to me too because from your point of view as a naturopathic doctor you're there educating and teaching and we had talked about this before that the word doctor actually comes from the latin word for teacher and i don't know if i'm saying this right but it's like doctor doctor docere okay yeah. very off but <laughs> docere close enough close enough um meaning to teach And yet so often it is the Band-Aid approach. And so what I love about naturopathic medicine and I love about integrative integrative and functional medicine is that there's a teaching component. Like when I see my functional medicine doctor, I'm, I'm in there for an hour and she's educating me on different solutions to how I'm feeling. And like you said, going through that timeline of what are the things that happen through your life and how are you feeling every day and denormalizing a lot of the waking up exhausted, you know, exhausted, going to bed, completely fatigued, not having time before bed to just rest and and being on your computer till late. Like all these things are coming back to our truth of, okay, this is not, this is not an actual way to live that will provide long-term well-being. And I think what's so beautiful about working with the younger generation, even speaking up. And this is why I constantly tell people, share your health stories because there's repercussions to the way that we're living that all of a sudden catch up on you. And something I've been sharing a lot about is my infertility journey and being diagnosed with a prolactinoma. And prolactinoma is often caused from anorexia. And so for 10 years, I had anorexia and I can't say for sure that that caused high levels of prolactin and my infertility, but when you see that correlation, you can start to be empowered to speak out so that other people can find a more natural and alternative way. And so the reason I'm sharing that for the listeners is I think it's important and empowering, although we're in an interesting time on social media in terms of cancel culture, I think it's Mm -hmm. so important to have a voice to what you've done to kind of support yourself through some of these things that we deem normal that actually aren't, that then can empower people to, to heal. Right. You're so right. And that's why I appreciate what you do so much because you really, by talking about your journey and what you've gone through, you give people the courage to also open up and talk about what they've gone through. And it's so, so important for people to hear that and find support in that because this is, this is life. This is what happens life isn't always just like rainbows and butterflies, Mm -hmm. you know, like we have, there are issues that we need to address. And 
when people speak up, we understand like, okay, like this, there's a reason why you feel a certain way. It also takes away that feeling of guilt that comes with a diagnosis, like, oh, I caused this. I made this happen. A lot of times, um, I know many women who feel that way when they get some kind of diagnosis for like, let's say some kind of autoimmune condition or something they're like, they are like that. They They feel really guilty. They feel like they caused it. But in reality, that's not true. There's always understanding like the background of everything is so, so important. It allows for forgiveness within the self within, and also for the healing process to actually occur. Mm-hmm. I know you talk so much about shame and how that impacts our physical health. I would love to dive a little bit deeper into that specifically because I know I had, I've had so much shame around pretty much every aspect of my health and guilt, specifically around my breast implants, because I chose to get them in and I paid for them and I wanted them for my career. And, and I think probably even with people being diagnosed with mold in their, you know, mold toxicity, and then recognizing it's in their home, there can even be shame around, you know, okay, well, I just purchased this home and how could I have not known this? And maybe I didn't do my background research. And so how do you help people move through that? Because you're working on both the mental, emotional, and the physical aspects with your clients. And so do you have any mindset shifts or ways that you kind of help people move move through some of those feelings? Um, it's So a lot of it goes back to holding space and just having that open dialogue, really hearing out what the person has to say, and then giving some providing some tools for the patients to really um, help with understanding what it is that they're feeling and why they feel that way. So whether that's working, so I always make recommendations either for some kind of therapist or some kind of, like I say, if dance is your thing or some, or something like that, like do that. Everyone has a certain way to kind of free themselves from that shame and that guilt and like those feelings. So I say explore that. I also a lot of times recommend EFT, like EFT with Brad Yates. I think he's great, but I don't know if you're familiar with that, but like just the tapping that is so freeing mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And then just being mindful. Anytime I put anyone on either the mold diet or the anti-candida diet, I always give the disclaimer of be kind to yourself. Understand that this is not easy and you are doing so much. This is like one of the most difficult diets you will ever do in your life. And just love yourself. Like just tell, like say thank you to yourself. Appreciate how that you're even getting help and that you're taking these steps. So much of it goes back to just mindfulness and just being kind to yourself. Also finding support groups, whether that's within, with friends and family or Facebook groups. Nowadays, Facebook, social media has been so helpful in providing the community of like-minded people who are going through similar things where people can discuss what they're going through. And that really helps as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important for me finding the group 
the breast implant illness group that I think there's probably like 60 or 70,000 people in it now, maybe more, was so eye-opening to me because it wasn't just the number of seeing how many women were suffering, but it was the community aspect of, I live in LA, who do you recommend? You know, And so many women, once I started sharing, were open to hopping on a call with me. And just having that connection with someone else that's been through the same thing was so empowering. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, I'm not crazy, you know, because a couple mm-hmm. of celebrities had shared about breast implant illness, but I hadn't heard about it as a medical diagnosis. And most doctors weren't talking about it several years ago. And being in that community really, really changed my life. And so I empower you listeners to, to find mm-hmm. the communities of people who are, you know, going through what you're going through, because it can be really eye-opening. And I always trust that there's synchronicity in that too. Like you'll see the post that you need to see in that moment. And I always remind people that often our wounds show up in the posts as well. And so when we're in those fear states, we often see things that may reflect that. And so it's important to get support if, if you are in a fear state around anything that you are going through too. So that is so, so true. I, yeah. I like how you put that. It's yeah, really it's like- interesting. Cause like <laughs> the two days before my surgery, I I was like, I was like, I can't be online because I was in so much fear that I kept like I kept seeing posts that that were just mimicking my fear in those moments. And so I was like off of social media. I know my truth. My truth is to have the surgery, going to connect within. And at that point, I was getting help with a coach. I was connecting within from a mindfulness place and visualizing my surgery and tapping into my higher awareness and trusting in myself. And that was what felt empowering for me. And so you have to you have to discern what is appropriate for you in every moment. And social media can be a lot, but I think it is a beautiful place to find to find people. And I'm so grateful that we got connected through this holistic breast team and have been able to support individuals going through this. So yeah, it's really, really beautiful. I'm curious in terms of any other sort of protocols, not just for breast implant illness, but we didn't dive into um, for specifically for mold. We talked about diet and we talked about cleaning up your home, but the other things that you're helping people with is it it's mostly supplementation and there are there other things that people are doing to help conservatively remove toxicity from yeah, their bodies. So um yeah, so I don't so like I work a little bit different than other doctors because I don't use very invasive approaches. I really truly believe in the body's ability to heal itself if it's given a little bit of a push. So the way I do it is through supplements. So I use a lot of herbal medicine. It's basically my favorite modality of treatment. I just love herbs, plant medicine in general, just because one herb has so many different properties and one herb could be great for your adrenals, but then can also provide you with like vitamin C and nutrients and all of that. So um, I use a lot of herbs in my protocols. So I always start off with avoidance, as we said, so that refers to avoidance in your diet, avoidance in your environment. And then I make sure that you're being protected. So your organs of detoxification are being protected, such as your liver, that you're taking some kind of liver support that helps with 
just detox, also making sure that you're having bowel movements regularly. And by regularly, I mean, at the very, very least one well-formed bowel movement a day. So making sure that these are being excreted through bowel movements. Also, that excretion is happening through sweating. Um, A lot of times people with chronic illness can't sweat. So um, I might recommend something like sauna therapy, and I'll give them exact recommendations of how to go about it um, and start slow and go from there and see how you feel. And then um, once I feel that the patient is excreting, and I really like to look at the gut health. So those bowel movements, what are they like? What is the consistency of those stools? Is there bloating and gas, constipation, diarrhea, all of those things? Is everything being well addressed? And once I feel that the gut is healing properly or is on its way, then I recommend fighting these mycotoxins in your body. And I bring in various herbs that are antifungal to basically address these toxins. And certain ones have um, an affinity for certain mycotoxins. So as you mentioned, we have so many different mycotoxins. I don't test for every single one of them, but I do test for a lot of them. And certain ones have an affinity Certain, supp- certain supplements, like let's say melatonin, has an affinity for ochratoxin A, which is a mycotoxin. So certain ones have an affinity to treat those certain mycotoxins. And then I bring in those certain supplements to treat those mycotoxins. And then I also use, so I recommend oral herbs, like t- um, herbs to take orally to address those, but then also intranasally. So like making sprays uh, out of various essential oils that are antifungal to basically, because those little spores, those little suckers, those mycotoxins, basically you inhale them and they're so tiny. They go through your nose into your lungs and all of that. So those need to be killed through your nose as well. And then once we do that, I like to rotate antifungals every like six to eight weeks. So I check in to see how the person is doing and may make some recommendations to alternate those antifungals to really, really get at those mycotoxins. I also like to use like different like detoxifiers, um, antioxidants to really help kill those free radicals or, um, yeah, like clench those free free radicals and help with the detoxification process. But um, I try to stay as natural as possible, uh, mostly because people that do struggle with mold-related illness tend to be very sensitive to a lot of pharmaceutical interventions. So I've noticed that the um, less invasive the therapies are, the better the success. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's important to you also because when I think about going on real a really restrictive diet, you also have to manage the mind and you have to manage the emotions. And when you're doing so many things at once, you can hit that pendulum and go the other way. So I'm in full agreement that slow and steady 
is, is the way it's like integrating the diet and then integrating some of these other modalities as well. So it's really, really important. And I see a lot of people who go to practitioners who then get recommended a diet and I help them specifically work through the emotional side of, like you said, this is a period of time and how can we view this protocol as something that is rooted in self-love and not deprivation. And yes, you're giving up some of the things you love, but what are you getting on the other side of this? And what is the purpose of this and and your sole purpose to to heal? And some of those things require more time and and the inner work. So I love right. the like the slow and steady conservative yeah. approach. And that's why I, I really respect what you do too, because so many doctors just throw everything at once in hopes that that will get them faster testimonials. But it's also a really beautiful approach to also manage those sort of emotional experiences that your clients go through. So. Right. And I wanted to also, like you mentioned, like um, the collaboration piece, and that is so important. So a lot of times I will um, work with whether it's a coach or a nutritionist or someone that can really support the patient every, like throughout the entire process. I think it's so important to have a team to work with whenever you're going through all of this, like you shouldn't be going through it alone. Like think about it, if you're diagnosed with some kind of either like cancer or autoimmune condition, you have so many other doctors that you see. You don't usually just see that one doctor. There's all these doctors that will um, manage different parts of what's going on with you. And that's so important, even with mold related illness, it might not necessarily be that like allopathic doctors that you're seeing, but it might be like, oh, you see a naturopathic doctor, but then you see also a coach that works with you on food and mind body connection and all of that. And that is so, so important for the healing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never realized how important it was. And part of me often thought I was in a bit of avoidance because I was jumping from one practitioner to the next to the next. And when I slowed it down and I said, okay, I'm going to do all these different pieces, but I'm going to do them a little bit more spread out versus back to back to back. It really changed my depth of healing because I was able to integrate the mind piece and the emotional piece and the spiritual piece and the physical piece. And when you're healing all those different aspects of yourself, I believe you just get such better results. And not only that, they're sustainable because you can see the reason for the work. So yeah, I'm in complete agreement with that. If people want to learn more about your work and work with you, what is the best place for them to find you? Are you currently only working in California or do you do telemedicine as well? I do some telemedicine as well. So my practice is in California. I'm based out of Beverly Hills. So I see patients both in person and virtually. The best way to get in contact with me or find out more information about what I do is just to go to my website, beverlyhillsnaturalmedicine.com or check out my Instagram at Dr. Jasmine Tully. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful and I just appreciate you so much. I'm glad we get to work together to some capacity. We don't we don't talk that much, but I trust that that's going to shift. And now that things are opening back up, we'll be doing more breast implant illness events and hopefully um, be able to be back in person in some of these experiences soon. So thank you so, so much. I really appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I loved that conversation with Dr. Jasmine, and I trust that you also found so much value from the wisdom that she shared. And so as you go into the next couple of weeks, remind yourself, as she shared, that there is power in surrounding yourself with individuals who believe in healthcare, not sick care. And so begin to ask yourself, what type of person or individuals can I surround myself with that will empower me to think this way? What needs to shift in order to receive this kind of education that uplifts me and empowers me and doesn't keep me stuck in my old patterns? What type of community do I want to surround myself with moving forward to focus on actionable steps to truly create well-being from the inside out? Take some time to turn off all the noise, the judgments, the outside perceptions just for a few days to let yourself and allow yourself to reflect on who in your life is supporting you in creating a healthier you and who isn't. Taking time away from other people and away from our devices allow us to be open to our truth and it allows us to open up to the sacred place of healing which allows us to step into the state of true happiness and make these really important life decisions that are aligned with our own truths. And so I trust that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was a conversation I believe we can all benefit from. And now before you go, maybe you're struggling to tune out others' opinions and honor your inner guidance. Maybe you need a community that supports you on this journey. If any of this resonates with you, I invite you to join the Awesome Inside Out Facebook group. It's a private, safe space filled with beautiful hearts coming together to encourage and uplift one another. And for everyone who is already part of that group, thank you so much for helping us build such a beautiful community together. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to pop over and listen to my podcast that I recorded a few years ago with Serena Poon, where we approach a similar topic from a different angle of nutrition through spirituality. Further, drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating, what do you want to hear more about, and how can it support you in becoming happier and healthier. You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next time, I'm sending you a massive virtual hug and I'm trusting that you're having a beautiful, incredible week. One filled with trusting your intuition and stepping into your most empowered self. All right, that concludes this podcast. It is my honor to always share with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You are here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more, not everyone is going to do what it takes to get it. But you are here, you are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together, so thank you for being here and part of this movement.